Monday, September 7th, and you're listening to a special edition of Peanuts and Popcorn. PNP is a spontaneous podcast between two old friends on baseball and motion pictures. I'm Tom Hockley. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on Peanuts and Popcorn, Jason Stark gets weird and wild with Shohei Otani. And we'll discuss some goals for major league teams who are out of the playoffs. MLB's collective bargaining proposal could be better, and Javi Baez is condemned and redeemed by Mets fans all in the same week. Anti-vaxxers are making it tough on the field and in the broadcast booth. We'll have the week that was for the Cubs and the Sox, and our popcorn discussion is on the Alan Rudolph film, Choose Me. How you doing, Tom? Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to you. Uh, Happy Labor Day to America. I'm glad to be back in Chicago. Um, one of the labor, uh, uh, maybe the armpit of, of U.S. labor in the United States. That's right. That's right. The arm, that's exactly a way to describe it. I've had many interactions with unions in this town. I am in a union. I'm the proud member of the, uh, of the, the Elgin Teachers Association. And so, you know, unions kind of are a double-edged sword. They're really, really good in some ways, and they're really, really bad in others. It's funny because I'm a lifetime member of the United Auto Workers, because once you are in that uh, that club, you are always in that club. And uh, I fought them tooth and nail in my one year at General Motors, so you know. But anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So so let's, let's not delve too much into it. We were both happy to have the day off. Yeah, but um, but I wanted to kind of pump my chest, pound my chest a little bit about my son. Did you see the link I sent you? Yeah, you did. I did. Yes. So he finished. He goes. This is his first big cross country meet. He goes all the way out to Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. He finishes of freshman and sophomore boys out of 153 freshmen and sophomore boys. William finished 69th. Yeah, he gets he gets a medal because the top seventy gets get a medal. Wow. So he's in like the upper forty five percent. Now nice. of the thirty one freshman and sophomore boys who go from his high school, yeah, he was sixteenth. Nice and and finishing five seconds ahead of him was a kid named Cruz Bravo from from Larkin High School, which is the school that kids from my middle school feed into. Cruz was a student at my middle school, although I didn't have it. Nice. Five nice. seconds ahead of William. So, Well, it's a good thing I'm not a father because at 69th place, he'd still be running laps. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Hey, he's a freshman. No, no, I know. I kid, I kid. And what's, with the particip- what's with the participation ribbon? But anyways, I, I kid, I kid. It's all right. It's all right. I'm just really happy for him. And it was... Uh, Absolutely. Big, uh, and hopefully this, you know... The idea that maybe he stays with this for his whole high school career yeah. it means a lot of things to him mentally, but it means something to him physically, too. Yeah. And so if he's committed to that, that would be a great thing, I think. And and my wife is pushing him to do it. So that's, that's awesome. 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 So speaking of other kids who, who are doing well, um, I, I have to eat a little crow. Did you watch the game? The little, little I watched a little bit of it, but you know how it is. Yeah. You, you, there's yeah. so many things I have to take care of. Yeah. shopping this and that you're busy so, with your only three children yeah it's not, it's not like you have eight or ten but anyways go ahead <laughs> but uh but you know i want to congratulate you yeah as uh as what is this uh where, where's the team from it's taylor from taylor taylor michigan taylor tucky we used to call w- which defeats hamilton ohio which yeah. so the the suburb outside of detroit 
defeats the suburb outside of Cincinnati, which is where we are from, respectively. So I have Correct. to congratulate you. It, it was the only reason why the game was a challenge for Taylor, in my opinion, was because they were hurting from a pitching standpoint. They couldn't use their best pitchers, but neither could Hamilton either. All the, That's kind of the paradox. It's almost like they should have a week in between the games to have a completely rested squads because it's not fair. I think you should have your best players going against your best players. That wasn't the case for Hamilton or Taylor because their pitchers were exhausted and they yeah. had yeah. to kind of do a Band-Aid solution. That being said, uh, great game, great game for Taylor. Um, kind of a one-off because this is an American Little League World Series. This yeah. is not a true World Series with the teams from Asia who are formidable um, and I presume will be back next year. Um, but the best part was, I think, Tuesday night at Tiger Stadium when the entire team was faded by the Detroit Tigers and the, wow. the team had a group picture with Miguel Cabrera. And you could just tell in these little kids' eyes that this was um, a bonus of their recent success that they weren't anticipating because yeah. they were like, whoa, whoa, it's really biggie, you know. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's really cool. Good for them, man. And I'm glad it's good for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, coming from someone who's actually been to Taylor, you know, Hamilton had the winning run at the plate. Yeah, no, I know. I know. And the they, they played had, a really I, good game. Yeah. So, and there was a line drive to center and the guy made a great catch to end it. So that was, you know, good for them. Yeah, I mean, no, no kidding. Like, like I said, this was kind of a one-off because of COVID that it's a, a United States World Series. And um, yeah. we didn't have the, uh, the international flair, which I like, but also puts us at a huge disadvantage because historically we don't come away with these things very often. So it was, it was great for Taylor. Uh, that was the good news. We did have some bad news and, 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 and it's Labor Day and it's appropriate that we talk about the late great Ed Asner. So tell me um, what, what is your first memory of Ed Asner? Well, first memory of Ed Asner, I think for a lot of people is the Mary Tyler Moore show is when he sort of really becomes, I don't know, a star. For American television audiences. And we're talking about an actor who primarily worked in the medium of television. Yes. But but this is a guy who went on to have his own show called Lou Grant about a big city newspaper, and he was the editor. And he was also in Roots. He had an, a pivotal role in Roots as the captain of the slave ship who's disgusted by the whole business. You know what I mean? And he drinks to sort of absolve himself or to find comfort in the bottle. And that was a really, I think, powerful moment in the film, you know. He was also the patriarch, uh, patriarch in uh, Rich Man, Poor Man, which was arguably the very first miniseries television That's right. ever That's produced. Right. I was a huge right. fan. Nick Nolte was in there, was in that. Um, and uh, the thing about Asner is, and I think he was the president of the Screen Actors Guild from like was. 80 to 84, something like that. Big union man. Yes. Labor Day was a big day to Ed Asner. Um, and you know, he was kind of, uh, uh, he, he was kind of one of the last liberal lions of, of Hollywood. And, and, and there was very few people more liberal than him. And up until just about a month ago, he was active almost every day on Twitter. Uh, he, he was a thorn in Trump's side all, all the way to the end. And so, uh, he lived an extremely long life, had a great career. Um, and, uh, I'll always remember him as, as Tommy Jordash's dad and rich man, poor man. For me, that's how I remember. That's that. your big. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, tough he, old uh, Eastern European guy. 
Well, he's the lovable, you know, in the Mary Tyler Moore show, he's the lovable, you know, he's the hard edged newsman who has a soft side and, and it just made for some great comic moments, you know, all through that show, you know, he really held that show together. It's interesting that you bring that up because Asner's character in the Mary Tyler Moore show, a comedy um, evolved into the Lou Grant show, which was a drama yeah. That's not happened very often in the history of television. Te- television has right. been around for 70 years now. You don't see it. It has happened, but it's extremely unusual. That um, he's playing he's playing a character with the same name, right. you know, in two completely different TV shows. And, so and part was- of it for me, as, as kind of a, a, uh, somebody that went through Second City, um, he's a Second City God. If, you, if, if you've been going to Second City for anything, you'll see his picture in there. At least it used to be featured prominently when I was going to Second City. So anyways, rest in peace to uh, the great Ed Asner. Yeah, no, uh, we'll, he will be missed. And uh, so. Shohei Otani will lead things off in the eighth. Oh, Otani oh. got it. He got it. Number 40. A franchise record for left hand. Shohei Otani, number 40. It's time now to open up our bag of peanuts. And uh, they're nice and hot and salty. And we'll begin with an article that was in uh, The Athletic by Jason Stark about what we learned in August. And we're going to begin with what he mentioned about uh, some of the wild card races we'll save, I think, September for Major League Baseball, because most of the divisions are pretty much won, except for, I think, the America, well, the National League West and the National League East yes, are still, right. you know, uh, are, are still sort of up for grabs. That's right. But it's really going to be the wild card races that help save, you know, baseball this year. Well, it's it's where the intrigue is, at least on the on the face of it, until the next round of the playoffs is developed, and then within 24 hours, everything that we're going to be talking about for the next month or so will be meaningless because those wildcard teams, or at least half of them, will be eliminated. So, right, um, right. you know, uh, Stark, to me, what was interesting about Stark, so, so part of this article I thought was kind of full of shit, to be honest with you, towards the bottom. Um, however, I do think the section where he talks about um, uh, Shoei Otani, you know, yeah. it, it's we're running out of superlatives for this guy. I mean, you know, he, he makes a point of saying that um, – I think that he could, as a pitcher, could give up like, I don't know, 17 straight home runs as a pitcher. And he still would have a better average than all but maybe 16% of the pitchers that are out there. Uh, That for a man that has 40 home runs as a hitter, well, we've never seen anything like it. And he also goes on to say that he could stop playing tomorrow and we'll never stop talking about it. That's right. For, for as long as baseball is played. So that's something. It doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer because he's, he obviously yeah. has much to accomplish, but he's, he's certainly made a first impression that I can think of no other, yeah. including Babe Ruth, because Babe Ruth came up as a pitcher. He was a pitcher in the major leagues. And Stark cites a couple of statistics. He has more stolen bases than Tim Anderson. Mm-hmm. He has as many home runs as Juan Soto and Mookie Betts combined. Right. right. You know, he has a better strikeout rate than Walker Bueller and, and a better and, ERA plus than Zach Wheeler. And, and to put that in perspective, 
Stark thinks that Soto's already a Hall of Famer. I, I do not. I think he's he's on my fantasy team and I love him to death. Uh, but I don't think he's earned the Hall of Fame yet. I think it's, you know, Stark tends to get a little carried away. But the idea that Otani bests him in an offensive category and then would strike him out the next inning, it, yeah. it's just, yeah. as a baseball fan, it's hard to get my head around that. Well, he does mention about Juan Soto is that he's the only player or, or he's in a group of players who have led the league in on-base percentage by the age of 22. Right. And that's Stan Musial, Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, Mel Ott, Arky Vaughn, and Shoeless Joe Jackson and Bryce Harper. That's, that's a good group. That's a real yeah. good group. Most of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Shoeless Joe Jackson could have been in the Hall of Fame yeah. if he didn't take money from gamblers to throw World Series games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So it's very, uh, very exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think Stark – is close is I don't think he's 100% accurate on who he thinks is going to make the Hall of Fame. I think when he looks back on it in 10 years or 20 years, he'll be right about some because they're obvious. What 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 I thought was interesting is the fact that um, Bryce Harper is way better than I think I've been giving him respect over the last five or six years. Because when you look at his numbers accumulatively at age 28, it's basically where. The, all the Hall of Famers have been at Babe Ruth. You know, all of them are directionally close to where Harper is today. With He has 258 home runs. Um, however, he's never taken a steroid. And if he plays another 10 years, he'll have over 500 home runs, which would make sense um, that he would become a Hall of Famer. I, it just wasn't on my radar of me thinking, oh, Harper's a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Not that he is, but I think Stark makes a pretty compelling case for, for Bryce Harper. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, who knows what will happen. But as we careen towards the end of the season, we have another month left. Um, there are a lot of teams who are not going to be in the playoffs. So what are some of these teams playing for? And uh, let's point out a couple. Were there any yeah. that sort of jumped out at you? Well, yeah, there's there's bubble teams. There, you know, when I look at the American League East, I think that um, – uh, you know, you, you have the Tampa Bay with the seven and a half game lead as of this morning. Um, the Yankees in Boston, and, and by the way, Toronto's 10 games over 502, but they're just, they're just playing in a year when the, there's just no way they're going to make the playoffs. There's too many teams in front of them. But what I think is kind of remarkable, as much as the Yankees have improved over the last month or say post All-Star game, Boston is really struggling. Boston yeah. came, came out like... Uh, like this beast at the beginning of the season and they've really, really struggled. So, um, you know, I, 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 if you would have asked me in April, I would have said, Hey, Boston's going to be in the playoffs. I'm not so sure today, I guess is what I'm saying. And then if you right. go, if you go over to the, uh, to the, to the West, I think that I always thought that Oakland would grab one of those playoff positions. That's not guaranteed. No. Um, and, and so September is cruel in baseball. And, you, you know, you have your mind made up of how it's going to shake out and certainly at least how it relates to the American League. And there's, you know, the, the white the only thing I know is the White Sox are going to win the Central. And the National yeah. League, it's the same thing. Milwaukee is going to win the Central. Everything else, you know, is, is Atlanta going to hold on to their precarious two-game lead over Philadelphia and three-and-a-half over the Mets? I'm not so sure. Yeah, neither am I. I think I, the I, Mets not, have some life in them. I do. Even though I picked Atlanta, I'm completely unimpressed with the uh, – the national league East. And then you go to the West and the giants are starting to fade. That's, that's, 
so it, it is happening. It, the, the Cinderella at midnight has been struck for San Francisco, I think. I would really like to see the Giants deny the Los Angeles Dodgers their ninth straight American League West or, or National League West crown. You know, that yeah. would be nice to see. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So, no. you know. No. You know, the, one last thing about Detroit. They, they said, one, you know, this article is uh, – What's the goal for every team for the remainder of the year? Yeah, what's and Detroit's goal? Is to finish uh, 400 or four games under 500 or better. And I think right now they're six or seven. And as everybody knows that follows baseball, they've had a very good second half, something to build on for 2022. I think that might be a stretch, though, the four games. I think they're going to end up probably being eight, eight games out. Well, you know, that they're better under than 500. expected. And they're sort of like a lot of these teams that are just kind of in the middle. By the way, the Reds, they're doing a free fall, too. You know, I don't know if it, I've been watching, believe me. So, and, yeah. So, I mean, I'd like as much as I'd like to see the Reds make the playoffs. Me, too. I just don't think it'll happen. And, and you know, I'm kind of pulling for the Brewers because they're the no-name team. They're the team that gets no respect. Right. And I think they're as good as anybody. Yeah. You know, me, so. they, you're right. They don't get the respect that they should. So, but you know, it's a small market to drink a lot of beer. I mean, who knows? So, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? So now you sent me an article from uh, Deadspin. About yeah, because how- we covered this subject last week. And I just as a follow up, um, this particular writer's perspective is, is that whatever um, the Major League Baseball is um, offering as far as their proposal uh, moving forward um, to the players union, there's basically this. Uh, Deadspin is saying it's horseshit. And, and, and the reason why I pointed it out was you and I kind of talked about that $100 million minimum um, that all teams have to, to employ from a salary the standpoint. Salary, the salary floor. This writer says that's a bullshit low number that they need to raise significantly. I'm not so sure about that, by the way. Um, I kind of think the 100 is a good number only because I know three or four teams have played in the 35 to $50 million range. So immediately it would push up those bottom feeder te- teams. Think of, of Miami, you know, Miami is one of them. Um, so uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting, um, this perspective, because uh, it doesn't appear as though they're going to reach an agreement anytime soon. I guess no. that's the bottom. They're far apart. I mean, you know, it, as, as nice as the salary floor sort of sounded and how nice this might have been, this might have been the sort of impetus to bring the two sides together, there really, there are other issues that are, they're just miles apart on right, and that right. the, the, the prominent one mentioned in the article is the age where teams can, uh, where players can become free agents. Right. And they were saying 29.5 years old, which is not good. If you're a, if you're a ball player. No, you're not. That's when a lot of career minor leaguers decide to hang up their cleats. That, yeah. that that's a, that's a very unusual time. And the only reason why it is, I think is because we've been spoiled by these outliers of where guys have come in at age 20 in the case of well, Soto 19 or whatever, but I don't think that's the, and even Baez when he first came up, he was very, very young, but I don't think that's normal though. You know what I'm saying? So I think that might have something to do with it. Um, well, it's clear that teams are playing younger players more often, number one, because they have control over them financially. Correct. And number two, you know, they're showing that if, if, if they draft guys who have talent, they can produce right away. But I think what, what's interesting is when you look at what the Cubs have done in particular, as they brought up all these career minor leaguers, guys who are in their late twenties, early thirties, you know, these are veteran players 
from a baseball point of view, and they've been able to contribute and do something positive at the major league level. So maybe that's, you know, I don't know. It, 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 that's, that's harsh to make guys wait that long to become free agents. Yeah. Really. Well, again, it's not law yet. So we, there, both sides have something to say about that. And that could be tweaked. Um, but it sounds Asner, like it might not be. Ed Asner would not have approved. You're 100% right. Asner would not like this deal at all. And, um, you know, I, I, Major League Baseball is, is um, it, 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 they're very conservative if they're nothing else. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they want things their way. But, but I'll tell you, I've never, ever turned on a Major League Baseball game to watch an owner own. No, so, no. you know, there's no product if they don't make the players happy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, play, players, the players make the fans happy. And if the players don't make the fans happy, they boo. They boo or they don't, or they turn off their TVs or they stop going to games. Right. And, and maybe that doesn't hurt the Cubs or the Yankees or the Red Sox, but it hurts the Reds and the Brewers and the Royals, you know. It specifically the, hurt Javi Baez this week on the Mets, where yeah, he learned was, firsthand who puts the uh, butter on his toast. Yeah, uh, that's right. Well, you know, he's been struggling with the Mets, and that's 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 a uh, – that's to say it, that's to put it mildly, you know, he, he's been hitting about 200, you know, despite the fact that he had a home run in his first game as a Met and the fans were on it as Mets fans will do. They Correct. will boo you. They don't care. They're just going to boo you to see if they can get you to react to them. That's right. So he hit a home run a little later on and they cheered a little bit or whatever. And so as he comes to home plate, he does this, the thumbs down kind of yeah. to imply, hey, Mets fans, you need to cheer me a little bit better. And, of course, the whole, you know, Met, Mets nation goes crazy. That's right. They're furious at him. They boo him even more. Cohen has a meeting with the team, you know, all these things. And, and it was really funny because, you know, you, you listen to some sports talk radio, you read these articles – Oh, Baez has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't understand what the fans are about and blah, blah, blah. And he just really ruined his career. And I thought to myself, you know, if there's anybody who, who, who knows how to redeem himself in the eyes of the fans, it is Javi Baez. And sure enough, I didn't think it would happen this soon, but he pulled out a little magic and dashed home and scored a, scored a run, a walk-off run to win a game on a single to the left, where he well, basically they, they just helped, ran they, through the side. They helped exactly. Typical Javi Baez. I don't know whether that's smart or not, but the fact is is that um, they held him out of that game. He didn't start in that game, and because the uproar was tremendous. So when yeah. he was announced as a pinch hitter in the eighth inning, they booed the living shit out of him. Then he got hit by a pitch. And they cheered the living shit out of them. That's typical, you know, Mets fans. Remember, if you're a Mets fan, this is a special kind of guy. If you don't like the Yankees in New York, I'm yeah. already kind of questioning, you know, what you're all about. But anyways, so you're right. He does this big um, redemption and, 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 you know, running off, walk off run from him first to home. Um, and the fans love him again. And you're right. That was that. But when people say Javi was naive, I would say, wait a minute now. Javi was not naive. He played in a big daddy market in Chicago. However, our fans never rode him. And we could have ridden him. 
because yeah, quite honestly, his hitting was below uh, acceptability. We talked about it many times. He's, he's not a very patient guy. However, he's so spectacular defensively that it made up for it. And you just love him because he loves baseball more than you do. That, that you know, that, yeah. that, there's not many people that you and I can meet to go, hey, they, they actually love baseball more than you and I. He's yeah. one of those guys. He's, he's really an interesting player. And, uh, you know, he just does things on the base paths that no one, no one even considers. And he just takes risks and he comes up double sixes. And, you know, I was thinking that if he decided that all he was going to do at the plate was try to make contact, he could be the MVP. He really could. Because the fact is that he strikes, the, the fact that he strikes out so much it takes away his perhaps his greatest value to the team, his ability as a base runner. It diminishes it to such a degree. But, but he still can make the hall as a defender. And, and to yeah. me, that's what I think he should do. Just focus on your core competency. Instead of thinking that you're a number five hitter that hits tw- 25 to 30 home runs because you swing at everything that's thrown at you, maybe you should be a traditional eight hitter where your job is just to focus on hit. Stop that home run swing and just make contact. And you'll be a 240 hitter, but that's okay because you're so good defensively. We're not counting on you to contribute. If you get a hit, that's a bonus for us. That's if he hit 250, he would just terrorize teams Correct. on the bases. That, that you, know? you know, that's a good point. It's what happens, you know, walk more because yeah. you are way more valuable at first than you are hitting triples and home runs. I'll be yeah. honest with you. We have other guys that can do that. Because so. you don't do it enough, you know. Right, and you and you never will. Um, so uh, he, he is jeopardizing his team's chances to win, just like these anti-vaccination players are jeopardizing their team's chances. Yeah. yeah. I, I, hopefully Javi's vaccinated, by the way. But you're right. Yeah. There, there are still teams that um, – so, first of all, I think it's great that, generally speaking, the major league um, teams, are their threshold of vaccinations are much higher than society. Most teams yeah. are at the 85% um, level. But there are some teams that are not. And based on what I read in that article, they ain't ever going to be. Th- yeah. This is – a. This is a medical, political, whatever the reason is. They don't really get into that, except to say that there's still a fair amount of holdouts. And then, and, the- and to be fair, there are people who who can't get the vaccine because they have medical issues. You know what I mean? And there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. But there are others who are doing it for political reasons, and that I think is disappointing. You and know? then there are people that are vaccinated that are getting infected. So you're, you're, you're putting both of those competing energies kind of in the same place. And we're not really making any progress on the COVID front because of that. Because quite honestly, the Yankees infections over the last um, couple of months, not, not Rizzo's because Rizzo was not vaccinated, but some of the Yankees' most recent ones are people that are vaccinated and still got COVID. So it's not just the unvaccinated getting COVID, it's the people that are vaccinated getting, are getting um COVID with not many symptoms attached to it. So it's a, it's just a gigantic cluster. Um, that, what happens know, too is if what happens to these teams, if they're in the playoffs and they get an outbreak, you know what I mean? And suddenly there's six or seven best players have to quarantine. Yeah. You know? And they it's, have to call up other players. I think the other sports have done a better job by the way, than major league yeah. baseball. Like the NFL has been tough on Oh this. man. The NFL is you're going to pay out of your pocket. We are not paying for your COVID. 
Your, yeah. your COVID will cost you salary, but you're also going to be responsible for your health and for special flights. Yeah, you're going to have to test every day. Correct. You're going to have to, Correct. you can't do any commercials. That's all right. That That's stuff. right. Yeah. And I think baseball has to kind of lean into the, to the NFL and the NBA is, is kind of uh, doing that as well. Um, really the holdouts, it appears to me, are, are, are major league baseball and the NHL needs to do a better job too. But, um, you know, Bob Boone, yep. who was the president of the Washington uh, senators, uh, whatever you want to call them, he resigned because they said our our corporation, just like my company did, by the way, has set a deadline. That deadline is October 15th. You yep. must be vaccinated by that date to be an employee of this company. Same thing with Washington said. Boone said, I resigned because I'm not going to get the uh, I'm not getting the vaccination. Well, you know, Bob, I, I appreciate your tough stance yeah but it may cost you your career in baseball you and your tough. and your life with these prehistoric thoughts of yours you're an old man bob and then you also cite that uh, john smoltz yeah right. and al Leiter, who work well who work for uh mlb network right they're not going to do it and they're they just said well i'll just work remotely okay that that may work for a while but uh I don't know, man. You're really, I think, hurting yourself. Well, you know? for me, I look forward to the Major League Baseball Network with more Lauren Shahadi and yeah. less Al Leiter and uh, John Smoltz. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a win-win. But I guess what we're trying to say is, you know, at some point, society's just going to pass you by if you continue to have these, you know, um, really, uh, I don't even know, not, they're not draconian. They're just, they're... Um, Bizarre. They're bizarre. They're bizarre beliefs. And and what they do is they paint themselves further and further into the corner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and yep. eventually, eventually everybody or as many people as possible are going to get this vaccine. And you can have your little club of hey, we didn't get vaccinations, but right, right. you're not going to be able to do all the big stuff, all the good stuff. And it's a shame. It really is, you know. So, so Brian Ruby, no relation yes. to Jack Ruby, uh, is the first active professional baseball player to come out as gay while he was playing. The NFL yeah. had a player last year. You know, I think you're going to see more and more of this. This is this is good news. Well, but they, they but apparently his parents were even shocked that because he, he just recently came out to them as well. But but to me, when I watched the game footage, I mean, it was a clear cut sign when his walk up music is Ethel Merman. I mean, that should be a dead giveaway. <laughs> Or Bette Midler, right? You know, it's either Bette Midler or Judy Apple. Garland. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I think that's good. I think you're going to, you know, oh, it, it I've always thought when it comes to this kind of stuff, all seriousness aside, it's not so much you doing it, which is great and it's heroic, it's how society reacts to you. And so, you know, hopefully, Mr. Ruby, you'll be treated as a baseball player and not as a gay baseball player. Right, right. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know much about him as far as his quality as a baseball player. And, you know, maybe the team that he plays for will promote him. Maybe they will deny him promotion. Who knows? But it'll be interesting to follow what happens. And I'd also want to say that, you know, there have been many, many, many gay baseball players. They but it's all – it's. Right. Not during, they never announced their, they never came out while they were playing. That's the problem. Right. Well, right. well it's not a problem. They couldn't do it. Um, yeah. Society is much more forgiving today and, and rightly so. We're, we're, 
that's one of the good things about being woke, I think. Yeah. So one one good thing, though, now about the White Sox is that they no longer have to face Salvador Perez this season, who is yeah, no just problem. a beast. Yeah. Are you following this guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Believe you me, I had a chance to draft him in my baseball league, and, I, and I'm ki- kicking myself because I've struggled at catcher all season long. And let's just be – let's face it. I mean, he has a chance – to not only become the all-time Kansas City Royal home run hitter, but, you know, he's got 40 home runs this year. And he also has the chance to play like 155 games, 160 games, which is unheard of. Not a lot of it is at DH, but but still, as a the catching position is so difficult, so hard on your body. And by the way, he's been often injured in his career. And so yeah. this is the first year where, in a few, that he, he's been able to play pretty much the whole season. He's a beast. And there ain't really much. As far as the whole package of how you handle a pitching staff and, and hitting, he's maybe the best catcher in the Major League Baseball. He really is. He's better than Wilson Contreras, who I have a great deal of admiration for. You know, he's I, I, I who comes close to him? I don't think there's anybody. You know, he's he's as good as it gets. Certainly better than Yasmani Grandal, who hits home runs but can't catch. <laughs> Grandal is one of the worst offensive catchers I've ever seen. He, he, in fact. He's really a DH first baseman. He should stop catching. That's what I think. That's how little I think of him. But, but Perez, I think a lot of that guy. I mean, I think he's um, he's really the glue that holds the Royals together. They've been a really bad since they won the World Series, but it's nothing to do with him. So, did you see what Adrian Hauser did for the Brewers? Yeah, yeah. Well, you have it's it's actually 2014, not 2017. 2014. So he shows the first. Complete game shutout for the Brewers since 2007, 14, That's That's crazy. Seven years ago. Just, I mean, wow. You know, well, Craig Craig Council's being interviewed in the article, and he basically said, a lot of that's on me. I'm the one that, that, it's pulling guys. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But, but, you know, still, I mean, it's, it's really amazing. I'm glad for him. I'm glad for the Brewers. Now, he threw 100 pitches. Is that a Maddox, or does it just fall short? If it's 100 pitches, that is a Maddox. It's 100 or less. 100 yeah. or less. 100 or less. Well, that's what he did. I think he threw 100 pitches. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. You're right. It would be 99 or less. Yeah, so, no, less. it's yeah. not a Maddox. It's not quite a Maddox, I guess. We'll need some official confirmation on that. But yeah. but he he is, uh, you know, that's, that's good. I mean – that's all the Brewers need is just another great starting pitcher, you know. Hey, the Brewers kind of came out of nowhere this year, and they're a team that I think you have to pay attention to going into the playoffs because they're they're a team that could get hot and surprise people. That's what I think. So now, did you see in Cincinnati, uh, Nick Castellanos? He gets uh, six – he drives in six uh, for the Reds. I, I forget who they were playing against, but he got his bat checked for it. You yeah, know? he drove in six before the second inning. Yeah. That, that, that's uh, – like he, he is just that's the one that's the one cub departure, including Baez and Rizzo and all that I missed. I, I just wish we never would have got rid of him because he's the hits that keep on coming and, and he can do it routinely. And uh, he's a great clubhouse guy, which that article kind of talks about. If you remember the first week of the season, he was the guy flexing his muscles standing yeah. over uh, home plate. You know, yeah. uh, and again, against the Cardinals, who, who yeah. the Reds seem to have the Cardinals number. Uh, and, and so, um, but the Reds are slipping. And, 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 yeah. I, and I'm a little bit concerned about the Reds only for this fact. And we've talked about it. 
they've not only let quality pitchers leave the Reds, but they haven't really done much to go out and get free agents. If I'm a fan of the Reds, and I know you know many of these people personally, they're not stupid. They're some of the most knowledgeable baseball fans, you know, uh, east of St. Louis, really. Um, it, so it, it, you're not pulling the wool over the Cincinnati Reds fans. If you, and if they're, you, they're still in contention for a wild card. And, and if look, if you give Reds fans something to cheer for, they will come to the ballpark. But, you know, if you're not going to contend, if you're not going to compete, if you decide, and, and that may be the case, I mean, it's a, such a small market. You know, it's hard to really get free agents interested to come to Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's some problems that this team ultimately has. So, you know, I yeah, know. But it just seems like they do the same thing year in and year out. And, and, and it would be nice if I was a fan to see you guys, um, you know, uh, break uh, character, do, do something different. Why don't you try this year? Here's a thought. Why don't, if there, when, when it comes to the deadlines, uh, why don't you get active in it? You know, it just, there, there's, I just think the Red, the Reds owe their fans a little bit more because the Reds players have been doing well the last couple of years. They just need a little bit of help, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So now, did you see in this uh, minor league baseball game, there was a a brawl that took place in the middle of a home run trot? Yeah. You know, and, and we're talking, of course, of the, um, the rivalry of the Reno Aces and the Tacoma Rainers. Um, or who are uh, major league or minor league affiliates, I think, of the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and, not, uh, not, sure, not sure, but the Aces were kicking their butts. And yeah. this one hitter on the Aces hit a home run. Henry and was, Ramos. And yeah. as he's rounding second, he kind of gives the uh, second baseman, I think, um, the business as he's rounding yeah. second. And the second baseman basically starts running behind him. And next thing you know, there's a big fight on the field. I have to say, I've never, I've seen a lot of stuff on the baseball. I saw a guy in the major leagues get thrown out in his home run trot last year. That was a first. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, third baseman for uh, for uh, Donald. Was it Donaldson? Donaldson. It was Donaldson. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Donaldson. Donaldson got thrown out in a yeah. home run trot. I've never seen That's that right. before. But this yeah. is the first, an, an actual brawl in a home run trot. At least. It just it looked like the coming of the apocalypse. It's just like, what are you guys doing out there? So um, why did the Nationals release Starlin Castro? Um, well, they didn't say what the reason is, but they've wrapped up their investigation into his, uh, his um, you know. Sexual it, assault. It, exactly. His, his domestic uh, 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 assault case against his wife, I believe. Um, and the reason why I put that on there was, will he, you know, he's 31 now. I've, I, it seems to me that Starlin Castro should be 40 years old. I, when I think mm -hmm. of him, I, it's, so so long ago as a Cub. That he, when he was with the Cubs. But he was a young baby when he was with the Cubs. We, we traded him when he, was, when he was relatively young. And so I think it might be the end of the road of him, for him, um, just like it was for uh, uh, the guy, our uh, second baseman that we got rid of, too, for the same thing. Oh, um, oh Russell. Yeah, yeah, Russell. Addison Russell. Addison yeah. Russell. So my question to you, does Castro get another major league job? That's a great question. Um, I think maybe in a market like Miami, he could, um, you know, something like that. Um, we were talking about a guy who they said had a real chance to get 3,000 hits. Yeah, that's right. He had so many hits. I think he's more than halfway there. Yeah. You know, and that he, he had a chance because he was so – he got started so young 
and he was always a contact hitter. He always had a lot of hits. And so, but you know, I, this is, this is bad. I, I, I don't really know how serious it is because all this stuff is obfuscated and put sort of into the darkness. We don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but if it ever does come out, uh, I mean, it must be pretty bad for them to just drop him like that. You know? well, well, not just that. He's a career 280 hitter. I just looked him up in baseball reference. He does have 1,700 hits, and he's 31 years old. That's a pretty good number. That's yeah, a pretty that good is number. a pretty good number. It's certainly more than, than I could do. He looked right. like a happy guy. Cubs fans appreciated him because they would always, like the, the Cubs organization would always play his walk-up music yeah. whenever he came to town. Right. You know, so uh, I mean, I, I thought he was a box of rocks. I'll be honest with you from the get. I just didn't think his baseball IQ was very good at all. But and his overall IQ probably isn't that great either because he's had this isn't the first right run in he's had with women. You know, he was accused of rape when he was in Chicago. That kind of didn't pan out, but it just, you know, it, it speaks to how these guys really need to button up a little bit and learn how to fly right you know nothing surprises me but i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again that wouldn't surprise me either um so we got to talk about the cubs because the cubs um as as we've been documenting basically broke up their team yeah and just lately they've been playing really really well and some of these so for example i can't believe i'm saying this frank schwindel i know frank has, has played better then Anthony Rizzo, it's not, even, it's not, it's not yeah. even close. I mean, not yeah. defensively, but as a hitter, yeah. uh, you know. His and, OPS over 1,000. I mean, right. he, he, he's really good. And uh, it's so fun to watch. He's, and it just, I think also, like, if you've been anywhere close to Wrigley Field this last week, you know, Cubs fans are drinking beer and they're having fun. It's a six-game winning streak. Right. Too bad there's not another trade deadline. You know yeah. what I mean? They could yeah. trade these guys. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, but but they seem to have found what's interesting is Jed Hoyer seems to have found an inefficiency within the market that there are these guys who are in their, you know, in their early 30s, late 20s, guys who never got the chance to play at the major league level. But after so many years in the minors, learned how to play the game and they're doing really well. Michael Hermosillo. What's that guy, Rafael Ortega? Ortega. Players yeah. who may be with the team next year. Yeah, Patrick yeah. Wisdom. Patrick yeah. Wisdom. So he's going for a Cubs rookie record for home runs. You, you know, I think this is all part of the Cubs master plan, by the way. I think that they thought we're going to do an ace yeah. no face, call yeah. up all these minor leaguers, and the pressure has been on the minor leaguers because I really believe that Cubs management is saying – this is kind of a micro lab the rest of the season yeah. and we're deciding which players are coming with us in the, into our future and which ones aren't. And yeah. many of these players are not coming with the Cubs. And the reason is, is because the Cubs have refortified their minor league system. And I think that there's no place to go for some of these 30 year old players, right? That you're not so going to have to prove that. And if right. they're not with the Cubs, they're playing to maybe for their next contract. With That's another right. Team. That's right. Yeah. The only thing that's that stinks about the whole thing as a fan is I just wish they would come out and say that's what we're doing, because I think it's kind of brilliant what they're doing, by the way. But I it think is. it's kind of bogus to say, oh, we're still trying to be competitive. No, you're not. You're trying to build the next iteration of the Cubs. And I get it and I respect it. And I think it's a smart move. The difference between me and you and maybe this is where I'm more like Joe Madden. I'm going to tell you I'm doing it. 
I'm not going to make you have to, oh, wait a minute, we're figuring this out. That, that's never good for a fan to, to have to kind of, you know, be in a position where we know damn well what you guys are doing. Quit lying to us. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Just to be honest. But but Frank the Tank Schwindel has been remarkable. He had a walk-off RBI infield single where he dove into first base. Yeah. And then let's talk about yesterday's game where there were three Grand Slam home runs. To, to, to uh, change the lead in the game, that's never happened in Major League history. So each Grand Slam changed the lead. It, it gave the lead to the it team. Changed the lead. That's right. And, and we, so we went by to, the Cubs and won by uh, the Pirates. We went to Mr. Statistic himself, Jason Stark, uh, who was sitting on the fucking Wagonals front porch since 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, and Mr. Stark has ruled that that has never happened in wow. Major League history. So there's still a reason to go to the ballpark. You yes. know what I mean? And yeah. Well, just team. to get the COVID alone. Yeah. I mean, the, you know. <laughs> so... But, uh, you know, now I have a question. Now, the Cubs traded Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant. Do you think any of them will be back next year? I hate to say this. I, the, as the days start to go on, no, I don't. I, yeah. if, if any of them – first of all, it will not be Bryant. Bryant would not come back to the Cubs on principle based on, the you know, the, the issues that he had with the, the manipulation of his playing time. He will not come back to Chicago. That's number one. Rizzo will soon be 34 years old. And so I don't see what the value is when you've got a Schwindel or even somebody else in the minors that we're not even talking about. Who knows? Schwindel could be a flash in the pan for all we know. And and the real first baseman is in the minor leagues or is coming up or whatever. I just don't see where you would have a value of paying Rizzo kind of money to him be a first baseman mentor for that kind of money. I just don't see it. So it really comes down to Baez and I hope that he comes back because he would be part of my defense. Yeah. I would say, Javi, express yourself in any way you want. If you get thrown out of games, then, then we're going to have a conversation. But the fact is, just Bob, Javi be Javi. And I would try to get him. That being said, I don't think they're going to. That's no, sad. I think, I think sad. you're right. And, and I think, you know, his problems at the plate in New York are evidence that maybe that's not a guy you want to give a massive contract to. Well, I, I think that was going to hurt him anyways. The, the yeah. offensive metrics over the last three or four years, you cannot lie. They do not lie. The fact is your pitch, your pitch selection is, is amongst the worst in the major leagues. But, again, it's the old Eddie Brinkman rule. Eddie Brinkman was a shortstop in uh, Detroit, and he could not hit if his life depended on it, but he was so good defensively. It's, that's what I think about Hobby. You know, you just go out in the field and – we're going to bat you eighth or ninth. You're definitely you're not batting fifth anymore. That that's what I would do. Yeah, that that that's big, that's the big time problem. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of town, um, where the good news is happening, basically, we'll, we'll start with some really good news with uh, Jose Abreu winning American League Player of the Month. He was absolutely on fire. He still month. is on fire. He still is on fire. He's leading the American League and runs batted in. He just—he is just the consummate leader. How can you not love that guy? You know. Well, he—he he is an RBI creating machine, as we know, over the last four or five years, and he takes exception, as do I, to maybe the the modern metrics diminishing the value of the RBI. And to me, I I love the win above replacement as much as the next guy, and I think it's the final arbiter of a player's value. However, the RBI is one of the most important statistics 
that a hitter can contribute to the game of baseball. And so I'm 100% with him that it's right. What he's doing as the captain of the White Sox from an RBI standpoint is incredible because he's got some great table setters. He really does. And, and I love watching this team. You know, they're, they're really, I think, yeah, they struggled against the Royals, but, you know, and they're having some injury troubles in the rotation. And so they, they have some problems, but yeah. what's nice is that they're not getting any pressure from the teams beneath them to win this division. They're going to win the division and they're going to have this month to sort of, to sort of sort things out as far as their rotation for the playoffs and uh, they're, they have time to get guys healthy. I think this is a good time for the White Sox to just kind of rest. That's and right. Refit. And, uh, you know, and as long as they have guys like Anderson and Robert, who's also kicking ass. Right. And, you know, and, and Abreu, they have a chance this year. So. Well, with, with experience, and of course, I'm talking about the 2,000-year-old man, the, the manager of the White Sox. Um, yes. <laughs> he, he, he learned, he learned that Sparky's knee. And I know that Sparky, what, what he would be doing is exactly what you just said, resting the players, manipulating the rotation so that it's, it's set up properly at the end of September, but also bringing up your September call-ups to kind of rest these guys yeah. for the last run without upsetting the chemistry of the team. So there's a fine balance um, that uh, La Russa has to do, but he knows what he's doing here. This is where La Russa's experience comes in. Big time. Well, and 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 then you look at a player like or a pitcher like Dallas Keuchel, who, you know, is having trouble getting out of the second inning of ball games. Yeah. You know, let's be frank, and I don't think he is going to be a part of their playoff rotation. So this month will help you really make those decisions. You know. Um, and well, then we you know, you, Lance Lynn is struggling, so yeah. he he went on the IL. There's still maybe a chance for Keiko. The only reason why I, I agree, if it ended today, he wouldn't be on the playoff roster. But a lot can happen in a month. That's all I'll say. Right, a lot can happen in a month, and and at, at least what Keiko has is hard won playoff experience. Big time, yeah. big time. And and but the thing about Lynn, which is kind of disappointing, is that his stint on the IL is probably costing him a shot at the Cy Young. Yes. You know. I think there's no question about it that that um, he will not win the Cy Young. Sadly, he's had a, a tremendous year. However, I think we both said at the beginning of the of the year, um, when I first saw Lance Lynn, I hadn't thought about him in a long time. And I'm like, oh, it looks like Lance Lynn ate Lance Lynn. I mean, he was twice yeah. as big as the and, and I'm just wondering if this extra weight is is playing a role in his his uh, fragility. Well, you know, he's had a good year, and this is a guy who pitched well for La Russa when they were both with the Cardinals, you know what I mean? And, and Lynn, I think, you know, he's that kind of tough-minded pitcher yes. that La Russa yes. sort of admires, and hopefully the problems he's having are not serious, really, that what he needs is just maybe a few starts off to sort of get back in line. So I'm not worried about Lynn but uh, but but then again, you know, who's the, so the Sox team? have to have Lynn to go far in the playoffs. Let's yeah. just throw that out there. There's there's yeah. no if yeah. Giolito has no. been a been kind of a disappointment. He's been Lance, ordinary. Yeah, he's been ordinary. And uh, Radon, uh, you know, Cease has really lately been their best pitcher. You know, Radon has been Rodon has been injured. Um, he's never really pitched this many innings before. Right, right. So, so Rodon needs rest. Lynn needs rest. Giolito is iffy. Cease has been their best pitcher. He really yes. has. 
So, yes. you know, you know it, before we wrap up the Sox, I wanted to talk about how great uh, Luis Robert has been yes. playing because oh, yeah. he, first of all, he's everything that was advertised about him, period. But the second thing is, I, as I kind of delve into this article uh, from the Sun Times, Robert is not a hundred percent. He's playing, he's playing hurt in a big time way, which we thought the injury that he had would be season ending. It, it hasn't been, he's one tough ombre. And uh, even LaRusa was marveling at how, um, how he runs out fly balls and how balls in the gap, which people think are doubles and triples end up being in his, in his glove. I mean, he's that good. Uh, of a, he just of, runs him down. He's so yeah. graceful out there. Correct. But, you know I mean? but he's in a lot of pain, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, so, well, you know, that's, that, that, that's the influence of the guy standing at first base, you know, right, right. Abreu, who's tougher than all of them put together. Correct. And there's no way that a young player like Robert is going to let a guy like Abreu down. Because when, when, when Robert was like seven, you know, uh, he was watching – he was watching Abreu play for the Industriales in Cuba, right. and he was his hero then. Yeah, so right, this right. is a big deal. It, it is a big deal. They've got great chemistry. I don't know whether they're winning because of La Russa or, be, uh, or, in, or spite in spite of, of it. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't matter because they are winning, and they're a pretty tough th- unit. And the one thing I've noticed about them all year long is their resilience. It doesn't matter what they're faced with on a given day. They're going to go out there and try to win. They don't always do it, but they've – they bounce back from tough losses. You're right. You're if right. there's a weakness on the team, it appears as though they still haven't figured out how to use Kimbrel. Um, but that's that's a slight, you know, it's a good problem to have, right? I mean, but but it, it appears as though it, it just it's not it's worth. Just, yeah, um, yeah. You know, the, the let's put it this way: the Cubs are doing much better off that trade than the Sox are. Um, so, um, but but well, the Sox, yeah. it, it's well, still too early. It's still too early. But but the but. The fact is, um, watch out for the Sox. I think they're going to cause trouble, if not this year, certainly by next year. All right. Well, that ends the uh, Peanuts discussion. Sit back and enjoy this evening. So if you choose me, then you have my choice tonight. quickly move into the popcorn and we'll open up the bag and uh i chose the movie this week i chose a movie called choose me from the 1980s directed by alan rudolph starring leslie ann warren keith carradine ray don chong and the beautiful and sexy jean-viev bujold and it's a movie about uh love and sex and mistaken identity and misunderstandings. Um, the misunderstandings are too difficult to explain, I think, in a conversation here. But uh, suffice to say that if you do see the movie, you never feel that it's too complicated for you. You know what I mean? You always understand as the viewer what's happening and what the misunderstanding is. And uh, some of them are really kind of enjoyable. And uh, it's a very sexy movie. Leslie Ann Warren is a bombshell. Jean-Viev Bujold, her voice is like liquid sex. I mean, uh, it's a tremendous movie. And Keith Carradine is, is a dangerous guy 
yeah. with a past or a, or a man, you know, a good looking guy with a dangerous past. Yeah. So uh, I, I want, I'm curious what you thought of this. Yeah, this is a very interesting film um, for me. I remember when this film came out, I was in the video business and uh, it rented very well with women. Women love huh. this film, as I recall. I never could get through it back in the day. I, I remember popping it into an old VHS machine and probably 15 minutes into it, I turned it off. And, one of, and, I, and I noticed when I watched it last night that the early dialogue in the film is, is almost borderline ridiculous at certain points. However, the film gets a lot better as it goes on. But at the very beginning, it's, it's just some of the dialogue was just like, you know, it's, it's almost, it was like a cartoon. And also yeah. it was stagey. Like some of the scenes outside, it was like, it's, it was, this yeah. would look yeah. really good on Broadway. It's almost like, I don't Couples know. Rudolph, dancing in the streets. Right, you know I, mean? I don't know Rudolph's background, but it could very well be that he has um, a theater background because it, it looked like that. I have a major issue with Keith Carradine. What? I, I, I just, I don't like him. He didn't scare me at all. I kind of thought he, I, I just thought he was a guy that, um, I, I just, I don't know. I just had a problem. Everybody else I love. I thought Leslie Ann uh, Warren, Warren? Who, who, who has said, if you ask her now, she's in her seventies. What's her favorite movie? It's choose me. And Get she's, out of here. she's done a ton of work. This is her favorite work. And you could see why she never yeah. looked better. She to me, she was the star of the film. Um, she's she, a former prostitute who owns a bar. Right. She lit up every scene that she was in. Yeah. And so there was a lot to like. Ultimately, I gave this film three stars. Um, I, I it comes up short of what Ebert liked it better. He gave it three yeah. and a half stars. But for me, there was just at the beginning, there was just points where I was almost laughing at the dialogue, and I'm like, you yeah. can't be. Uh, you know, taking that. This can't be real. Right. But, right, but, right. but it's interesting. It, it, it's about a woman. And also, in... it, by the way, it's not cool to take photos of a sleeping nude chick. No. It, right. I, I, that was kind of a grown scene where I was like, you know what? The woke world today, you would have had, to, you would never have shot a film. Shot well, she does that. wake up and kind of gets into yeah, it. Yeah, she does. But that's not Radon, the way... We're talking about Keith Carradine is in a scene with Radon Chong. After right. they sleep together, right. he starts taking pictures of her, and then she starts getting into the, to the fetish of it all. That's but, right. Yeah. That's right. But but what it's about really at its center is Jean-Vierre Boujold is is a radio talk show host called Doctor Love, who gives people advice on their sexual relationships, and uh, and her producer is totally in love with her. Yeah. You know, right. And uh, which I thought was interesting, and but he makes some inappropriate comments. Yes, he just, does. He just, says, yeah, I know what she wants and I'd yeah, like to exactly, give it to exactly. you. Know? And he finally gets a chance at the end of the movie. But, uh, right. but what's interesting is, is that the people that she is advising on the air are the people that she's interacting with outside of her job. You know, she, yeah. she, she, which is always a mistake, by the way. If you're well, I don't think it's intentional. That's the thing. The actor, well, wait a minute. She takes happen. a call at the beginning from Eve, who runs a bar, Eve's yeah. lounge. And next thing you know, she's at the lounge. I was like, hey, you know what? This is a, it's a kind she's of at the, slightly she's at the odd. Lounge taking up uh, Eve's ad for a roommate. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they all end up sleeping with the same guy, Keith right. Carradine. Right. Oh, and, and other guys, it, what, it, what it learned to me was this is basically about a bar of lonely people that right. are kind of desperate in, in one way or another to find love, uh, as we all are. And it, it just to me, that's what Choose Me is. It's, it's it, that's at, at its base is it's about a bunch of people that that want 
want love. It's they, the well, age old thing. That they want they 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 want love, but they need sex. Yes, yes, which is also yes. kind of a part of it too. Uh, and what, and what, one other beef at certain times in the dream sequences. They would be playing these chimes, these wooden chimes. And I'm like, you stole this from Body Heat. We just oh, saw this. Well, I'm telling you, man. It, it, it's like that whole sound. I'm like, where have I heard this before? Well, yeah. we just heard it three weeks ago. You uh, just heard it three weeks ago. And Body John Larroquette, with his yeah. crotch rocket that he was riding around, always had leather gloves on, which was so yeah. 1983. Yeah, um, And a members-only jacket. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. But it was nice to see him in it. You know, it's nice to see him have that little cameo, right. you know, and uh, it, I, I think it's a wonderful movie. I mean, there's moments of extreme sort of er that it's really erotic at times. It's beautiful at times. It's violent at times. It's weird and quirky. So I think that if this is a movie, you know, if you want to reach back into the archives and check it out, Choose Me by Alan Rudolph. Yeah, and I just don't want to say one last thing. It reminded me of Cody's, our days at Cody's. I, yeah. I, I could sympathize with those people that, you know, would hang out at the same neighborhood joint uh, every single night. Um, so I, I like the film, and it's a very unusual thing that within the early part of that film, I could have bailed, and I'm so glad I stayed because I think it got really better as it went on. Well, and, and also I think the true star of the movie, even though like the movie, I think, is about Leslie Ann Warren to a certain degree, Jean-Vierre Bougeold is just tremendous. Just this yeah. great French actress at the yeah. height of her powers, the height of her beauty. You know, Roger Ebert, if you see, like, I, I read his review and then I watched uh, the thing, the show he did with Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. Where he reviewed this movie, he was freaking in love with her. He yeah. was in love yeah. with her. See, she yeah. didn't do it for me on that level, but Leslie Ann Warren did. So, <laughs> you know, everybody's got their own Ginger and Mariana. Mariana, I suppose. Um, but but right. ultimately, I give it three stars, and I would recommend the film. Yeah, I would too. I would too. So, have you chosen a movie for next? Absolutely. Week? We are going to go uh, watch uh, a film by a, a French director, Francois Truffaut. Okay. We haven't done one of the Truffaut films yet. This one is called Les Quatre Cent Coupes, or more commonly known as The 400 Blows from 1959. Wow. Okay. Is uh, Catherine Deneuve in this one? No, she is not. I All take right. it you haven't seen this film. I have not seen this one. I have not seen this, this one. So, so. so. All right. So until next week, we are the two Ps in the podcast. Oh, bang the drum slowly. And play the five loading. Play the dead march as they carry me along. Put bunches of roses all over my coffin. Roses to deaden the clouds as they fall. <laughs>